Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Welcome, everyone. We're going to continue today looking at some of the koans from the Book of Serenity, the Book of Equanimity, it is also called. And these are some of the koans we've danced with uh, in the past month in our uh, Beyond Words and Letters book club. I say dance because, as uh, you know, I, I often say that emptiness is like a dance where there are two partners in the dance, but as everything gets moving, it all becomes one beyond one. There's no you, there's no me, there's the music, and we're all swept up. That's what koans are, so we dance koans. But I'd like to take a few moments at the start to talk again about the different way koans have been approached and sometimes misunderstood. Sometimes it's not a misunderstanding, sometimes it's just the different ways they've been taken. The first thing to tell you is most of these events are probably not historical. Some of them may be, but they're kind of like the story, I don't know, for people from the United States, of George Washington chopping down the cherry tree to show how honest he was. He told his father, yes, I cannot tell a lie. Did that actually happen historically? Well, it's something that has a truth about, let's say, what we in the United States would like to say is the American character. I don't think we're more necessarily more truthful than other people, but that's uh, a story that was, I don't want to say made up, but these are also stories that were largely written hundreds of years after the people in the stories would have lived. And they try to express something about our teachings that uh, are captured within the story. Now, people think that they're all illogical, And that's not really true. What usually these stories convey is not our ordinary logic, not our ordinary way of seeing the world. And that's one of the reasons that they're a little weird. They're a little hard to get our heads around because you'll see it today. It's not our usual way of thinking about you, me, and the other thing. Now, when the koan started, in China in the day, poetry and wit were highly valued. And not just in Zen, but a lot of the writing at the time uh, would make references to famous songs, famous poems, inside jokes. And so a lot of the things that we really call head scratchers today are not because they're so mystical and otherworldly, that they're beyond our ordinary understanding. It's just that they're thousand-year-old puns and jokes. As I like to say, you know, it's a little bit like if we took uh, phrases like Thomas the Tank Engine or get your bling bling or shake your booty. That's already dated if you're not from the 70s. Or let's go back to the 60s. Do you remember Socket to Me? 
You never heard this was an American thing, you see. So if you if you suddenly had a con and a guy made a reference back there, it's from a show, an American TV show in the '60s called Laughing, and they used to say, "Sock it to me," see. So okay, so if you came across a con and it had in there Thomas the Tank Engine and "Sock it to me," you might go, oh, "Wow, it's some must be Thomas must be some great cosmic Buddha." Well, he is, but that's not the point. The point is these were poetic and uh, humorous references, many of which we've been forgotten. Many, you know, it's, it's a thousand or two thousand, well, a thousand years later and the other side of the world from old China. So it's hard to, to understand many of these. But that doesn't mean that they don't, didn't originally refer to something. They were references, subtle pointers to something. They meant something, you see. Now, that led to some extremes. A little later in history, kind of the, the wit and the poetry took over a bit. And a lot of Zen masters of the day were criticized for being too conscious of their poetic skills and their humorous jokes. And some people said, no, you're going overboard. You got to remember the point that is being made here. So... That is one extreme you can go to. The, the poetry and the jokes are a pointer at something. A pointer at something, as we say, that cannot be pointed to because it's not separate from here. But that's another little something we'll get to. At other times, um, the people in China, as in the modern day, were too analytical and philosophical about these so that they would try to analyze them as if they were analyzing a social problem in the newspaper or a mathematical equation. When I get people who on, the, on our forum, for example, who are very philosophical and they present their intellectual analysis of this, I try to toss a bucket of cold water on them a bit. Because the kind of approach, the kind of discussion you, you have here must be you, you can tell it's, it's from the heart and it has insight and it sees through the koan. It's not really a philosophical analysis, you see. That doesn't mean we go the other way. And some people say these koans are completely beyond all rational understanding. Simply not true. There is a Zen logic, but it's not our usual way of seeing things because here in you know, normal logic, there's a tree outside and I'm over here and we're separate things. In Zen logic, sometimes we would say, I'm here, there's a tree out there. By the way, I'm the tree, the tree is me. And also, what tree, what me? All those are true from our different ways of seeing and all usually expressed in these koans. And if you're too philosophical, too analytical about it, not good. You kind of got to feel it. So in some ways, it's like really poetry and music. You can express it. There's a time to keep your mouth shut and a time to say something, and you can express it. But I can tell when someone's expressing it with a true insight and feeling into this and when somebody's too much in the head or too confused. Other times, these koans really went in a couple of strange directions. In, later in both the Soto and Rinzai tradition, and today in Japan, they just became something to memorize. You know, if you're a Zen priest, you just had to memorize them and regurgitate them, throw them up. And 
you know, it's funny there, you have to pass a certain number in some of the Rinzai schools and you have to answer the master. You go in the room and you have to give an answer about the koan. And they also use poetic references. Well, you get the image, it's supposed to be spontaneous. The guy just has insight and he suddenly knows the poetry. But actually, in the modern day, you couldn't turn out the priests like they turned them out today. So there are, what do you call, cheat books. Uh, what do you call, cliff notes, we say when I was in school, and that have uh, the end. Oh, you're on cone 52. The correct poem answer is the lilies that bloom. So you go in there and you say, you ask the cone, you say, the lilies that bloom, and you get past next. Because you're supposed to memorize it, because the teacher, the proper Zen priest, just knows these. Like if you're a, a lounge singer and someone says to, to me, would you please sing My Way or Melancholy Baby? You just have it in your repertoire. A Zen priest was supposed to memorize these songs, memorize these stories, even if they didn't understand them, you see. Well, that I don't think is good. Other people went and said, all you need to do is focus on one phrase. And this is uh, a lot of what you call the Sambo, Sambo Kyodan or extreme Rinzai approach. If I just took, instead of the whole koan, just one word, um, like here we have a koan about a boat we're going to start. And if I just focused on and said, boat, 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 and just all day, boat, 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 until my spirit merges with the boat and sweat pours from me and I have a, a great mystical experience beyond all understanding. That's one way to approach that. And they do that in some schools, uh, such as some of the, the mixed Soto, the Sambo Kyodan uh, schools uh, that focus on koan study that have become very popular in the West. That's one way they do it. But as I say, in the Soto school, we tend to look at the koan, try to really understand it in the bones. As we say, see it with the ears and hear it with the eyes, not just philosophically. Okay? So that's what we're going to be doing today. I always start with the main case, because not the preamble, because the main case is what it's all about, and the preamble is really just somebody riffing on that. So let's go to number 51, Hogan's By Boat or Land. Attention, Hogan asked Kaku Joza, did you come by boat or by land? He was coming to visit the temple or to come as a new student. Kaku Joza replied, by boat. Hogan said, where is the boat? Kaku answered, the boat is in the river. After Kaku left, Hogan asked the monk beside him, tell me, did that monk who was just here have the Zenai or not? Again, this is an example of how our normal logic and our so-called Zen logic somehow are different sides of the same coin, but it's not our usual way of looking at things. How'd you get here? I caught a plane. Where's the plane? At the airport. Of course. Right? But in Zen, where are you coming from and where are you going? If there's no place to go but here, where is the boat? How far away is the river? We have a birthday girl here today, and this is a very good koan for her because in life, where are you trying to go and where are you coming from? How far away is it?
Now, koans also don't necessarily have just one approach to them, too. They're a little bit like songs or, or, or stories or poems that they, they can mean different things to the reader's heart, too. So someone pointed out that this might also be a reference to the raft. You know, Buddha said, our practice is like a raft. And when we become enlightened and we reach the other shore, we say, in our heart sutra, we say, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone beyond to the other shore. We put the raft down and we're free. Master Dogen spoke of practice enlightenment and he said in his way, he believes the raft has never been picked up, can never be put down. And we're always carrying the raft. In other words, there is nothing but this practice right here. And you always have the boat. You always have the raft. He liked, um, Dogen liked many sailing analogies. And he said, life is like sailing in a boat. This is from, I think, Ski, one of his sections on the moon. One of, or it may be from Shisho, Life and Death, section of Shobogenzo. And he said, life is like sailing a boat. You're a sailor. You're on the deck. There's the wind. There's the sails. You have a stick in your hand and you're, pushing the boat. The shore is passing. But he said, can you see that wind and boat and sea and sailor and stick and shore are one? And that as the shore passes you, you are passing the shore. It's all this great working, this great dance that you are. So we're always coming and we're always going. And yet there is no place to go and there is no place to come, and we leave the boat behind, but we never can leave the boat behind because this life right here is just the sailing right here, and the stick is always in your hand. Like a good sailor, try to avoid the storms, keep in the good direction. But when the storm just comes, just batten down the hatches, close the doors, get under in the dry place if you can, and sit some zazen, I guess. But as best you can, we are always sailing. We're always trying to choose the good course. Please choose the course of peace and gentleness. Don't choose the course of hate and anger and greed and attachment. You see, there's good sailing and bad sailing. This is the Zen eye. All of that may be summed up here in this koan. That there is no boat apart from you right here. That it is constant sailing in your life. And yet, in purely practical terms, if you got to get to New York, you get on a, go to the airport and get on a plane. Of course, it's all true. All true. This is all of life, all the world, looked at from different angles, and that angle with it beyond all angles at all, you see. So let's look at some of the poetic references here. Worldly dharmas, uh, I guess dharmas here would be things and teachings. Worldly things and teachings enlighten many people. Buddha dharma deludes many people. Suddenly become one. Can there be any delusion or enlightenment? I'll let you take that as you will, but perhaps the Buddhist teachings are not something far removed removed it all. They're absolutely intimate with the all the messiness and clutter and stuff 
of this world, this world we live in, if you can see. This is the sailing right here in your life today. The appreciatory verse, water does not wash water. Gold does not trade for gold. Ignoring its color, obtain a fine horse. Without its strings, enjoy a lute. Tying a knot, divining with sticks. Then there is this matter. Utterly lost is true, innocent, ancient mind. What does that mean? I could lie to you and tell you I have much of an idea. I have very little idea exactly what that's about. But let's say that water does not wash water. Gold does not trade for gold. The purity, the gold is all around us. Maybe something like that. This whole world is pure. This whole world is gold. The fine horse does not matter uh, about the color. Don't worry about the appearances of this world, the external things, even if it's an ugly darn horse. If it's a fine horse, it's not about the outward appearances. So it is perhaps with this world. See the fine horse, see the gold, see the pure water beyond outward appearances. Without its strings, enjoy a lute. Can you hear the harmonious beautiful music of this world that is not a matter of there being strings on the instrument. It's just a silent sound that resonates through all things. Maybe something like that. Tying a knot, divining with sticks. I have not a clue what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> then there is this matter. Uh, Hi. Can you hear again? Okay. I just got to the line that said, utterly lost, and we were utterly lost. Being utterly lost in this world of confusion, in your own life, if you have the eye of wisdom, don't get lost in the appearances. Don't judge the horse by its colors. See the true horse of this life. See the water, the gold, even if it's hidden in the dirt and the mud. Find the place of not going or coming, whether you're on the boat or off, something like that. See, these teachings are actually very practical for your life, too. This, this is not just like a few philosophical woo-woo understanding. There was a, an old Chinese a bureaucrat who wrote to a Zen master a thousand years ago, and he said, I, I'm going to study Zen as soon as I retire. And the Zen master said to him, where do you think you're going to find Zen? It's right now in your messy, complicated life. You're on the boat right now. Where do you think the boat and the river are to be found? You see, this is about your daily life. You need to find this simplicity, this place you cannot go or come from. You need to find it on your, on your craziest, utterly lost day. That's what this is about. Okay, let's go to Sozan's Dharmakaya. 
I, I like actually putting two or three koans together. Usually teachers these days, they tend to take one koan, give a talk about that koan. But they cite other koans. If you put two or three koans together, they kind of have to say reflect and bounce off each other. And and maybe you see the, the deeper reason that the author put these koans side by side in the collection. Attention. Sozan asked Toku Joza. Buddha's true Dharmakaya is like the vast sky. It's conforming to things and manifesting shapes is like the moon in the water. How can the principle of conforming be expressed? Toku said it's like the donkey seeing the well. Sozan remarked, well said, but that's only 80% of it. Toku rejoined, how about you, Osho, great priest, Osho, or priest? Sozan replied, the well sees the donkey. This, this Dharmakaya is that approach, not approach, wrong word, that state of being beyond being or non-being, beyond life and death, beyond you and me and all opposites, all categories. There's a realm of Big B Buddha where we don't even put the name Buddha on it because no names apply. It's, it's not nothing, but yet we cannot even say it's a thing. When we drop all human categories, analysis, mind, there's something, a horse so pure, we don't call it the horse. Gold so golden, we don't even call it golden. There's something. Maybe it's the root that all religions are pointing to in some way. That is beyond all human names and categories. And uh, But sometimes we say in Zen things like, your true self uh, Buddha with a big B, not the, I'll talk about that in a second, not the little B Buddha, but the big B Buddha. Sometimes some people might say God. Other people might say the universe. Other people might say Stanley or Mary. Or some people might just stand there with their mouth open like that. We have a statue in the corner here of a guy. Look, look. Some people think that statue, they don't like it, but I think the guy's just standing there with it going like this. Wow. I wish I could show you. It's like a guy doing this in a statue. And um, this is the Dharmakaya. And guess what? In Buddhism, part of our sitting in Shikantaza and in Koan Zazen too, when they're concentrating, for example, on boat, 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 or moo, 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 or we're sitting here just sitting, dropping all thoughts and categories and letting it be, and the silence and the beyond judgments, we're sitting. We realize this. We taste this Dharmakaya. That is just who we are. And the tree outside and the stars in the sky are just this dharmakaya beyond all categories. But yet this dharmakaya too is this world of complexity. It's the horse's color, it's the mud, it's the dirt, it's the beauty and the ugliness of this world, you see. So if you can see the dharmakaya as something over there, you're like a donkey who sees the well. Oh, Dharmakaya, God, Buddha, whatever, Stanley, you're over there. Universe, the rest of the world, you're out there. 
But when you can see the, I don't know, maybe a physicist said it's the universe seeing the universe or the Dharmakaya seeing the Dharmakaya, then maybe you get some more sense of this. Dogen had a, a lovely uh, reference to, it's like the moon in the water. The moon for us uh, in the clear, open, boundless sky is a symbol of enlightenment, this Dharmakaya. And I'm just going to read these, these passages from his Genzo Koan. Enlightenment is like the moon reflected on the water. The moon does not get wet, nor is the water broken. Although its light is wide and great, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. The whole moon and the entire sky are reflected in dew drops on the grass and even in one drop of water. Enlightenment does not divide you, just as the moon does not break the water. You cannot hinder enlightenment, just as a drop of water does not hinder the moon in the sky. The depth of the moon is the height of the moon. Each reflection, however long or short its duration, manifests the vastness of the dewdrop and realizes the limitlessness of the moonlight in the sky. And also, to divide the world is what human beings do with our categories and thoughts and judgments. But to go beyond that is not only to see the Dharmakaya, but to be seen by the Dharmakaya, the Dharmakaya seeing the Dharmakaya beyond all Dharmakaya or any other name you want to put on it. Dogen may express that in this next passage from the Genjo Koan. To carry the self, the little self, forward and illuminate Myriad things, all the things of the world, is delusion. That myriad things come forth and illuminate the self is awakening. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad things. When actualized by the myriad things, your body and mind as well as the bodies and minds of others drop away. No trace of realization remains. So enlightened, even words like realization and enlightenment don't remain. And there is no trace, and this no trace continues endlessly. When you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs, its borders. At the moment when Dharma is correctly transmitted, you are immediately your original self, which you have been all along. Just looking quickly at the preface. Having opportunity and not seeing a Buddha. Oop, I'm reading the wrong case, but it's okay. Preface. All knowledgeable persons are able to learn by parable and analogy. But when comparisons cannot be made and when it's impossible to find something similar or identical, how can it be expressed? Again, we're talking about something beyond comparison, and I'm, you're asking me to, to explain it. How can I explain I'm going to do my imitation of that statue in the corner again for people listening on the podcast, by the way. It's just a guy standing there with his mouth open. There, I've expressed it. Sometimes the Zen masters would take their stick and they draw a circle in the air like this. Yeah. Or beat the table. What can you say? The poem, the appreciatory verse. Donkey sees the well, the well sees the donkey. Wisdom contains, without exception, 
purity permeates more than enough beyond behind the el elbow who discerns the sign within the house no books are kept loom threads don't hang a matter of the shuttle patterns emerge every which way the intent differentiates itself again i i leave this to each of you but i think the images for example books in the house or the the threads of the on the loom all the separate threads are the great tapestry you see are they you are part of this great tapestry it's all a great a great house with the separate things are all the things in the house like the books in the library but yet it's all just the house and you are one of the books on the shelf it's a great painting and you're a stroke but it's all that one painting you see you cannot separate the whole from the parts or the parts from the whole the whole are the parts in most intimate way and the whole parts are the whole as whole as whole can be something like that every drop of the river is the river but all the river is contained in every drop all the dharmakaya or whatever you want to call it all of stanley is you on your birthday just take this no there's no place to go or that you need to go even as you try to get there when you try to get home you're still going to have to head to the airport okay let's see one one more uh, quick one i think we'll go to obaku's dregs attention obaku addressed the assembly saying all of you without exceptions are eaters of wine dregs that means you know second hand you're eating fast food instead of the real meal something like that you're 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 eating the leftovers you're not getting the real deal something like that going on pilgrimage here and there when there will there ever be a day for you don't you know there are no zen teachers in all of tang china at the time a monk who was there stepped forward and said what about those everywhere who have disciples and lead assemblies I didn't say there's no Zen, just that there are no Zen teachers. And this is another koan that's usually taken a, a few different ways. Number one is you can listen to me babble on here for a half hour and you know sit here with my mouth open. Here I'm doing it again. But in the end, you have to do all the heavy lifting and the heavy sitting, sitting with your me, myself, and I, and find this for yourself. It's not something that can be taught. Uh, the so-called Zen teachers are kind of like a guy pointing the road. Oh, it's over there. Make a left. Don't go right. Right is, uh, I suggest you go left. But you've got to do the walking your, yourself and find this. The other thing, how can you teach something beyond categories when there's no teacher teaching or taught? It's that undivided and whole. So, of course, there are Zen teachers and there are boats and there are rivers and there are airplanes and there are horses and mud and gold and war and peace of course we live in that world but we're talking about something so beyond categories you cannot even call it buddha by the way again i, I was talking about the big buddha we say the dharmakaya the big buddha and then there was the historical buddha who was the guy who lived in india and there's a we're not going to get into all the buddhist philosophy on this but all of these perspectives are true in their way you see, if your heart is open to it. 
but it's not something that can be taught, nor is there anything to teach, because there's nothing separate that you need to learn. It's how to say it, maybe. It's like the eyeball trying to learn the eyeball. I think that's a doesn't sound so good in English, but in Chinese it sounds very nice. They say that. So Zen guys say it. It's like, you're, it's like the eyeball trying to see the eyeball. <laughs> doesn't sound so good in English. So having opportunity and not seeing the Buddha. You may miss the Buddha because the Buddha is so close that there's no separate Buddha to see. Great enlightenment has no teacher. Human emotions are eliminated by the sword that regulates heaven and earth. Holy understanding is forgotten in the activity that catches tigers and buffaloes. Tell me, what stratagem is this? Let's go to the verse. Roads being split, threads being dyed, catching at leaves and linings of flowers, suddenly grasping the handle that educates southerners. I wrote about this in the forum if you want to see some of the references. Tangles and shards, downy hairs razored off, a balance scale, a mirror, a golden sword. I'll just very quickly kind of summarize this. In our Zen, sometimes we, we talk about the sword that does not cut things apart. It cuts what's apart and puts it together again. In fact, it's a sword so whole that there was nothing to cut or could be cut from the first. It's not the scale that measures Measures is to divide and weigh, right? To judge. It's the scale that unmeasures, unjudges. Anyway, there's nothing to judge. It's the mirror that accepts all images in the mirror. The ugly, the beautiful, the tall, the short, the young, the old. The mirror makes no judgment. The mirror rejects none of it. The mirror holds it all. The mirror is it all. Images like that, these separate threads are just the tapestry. The leaves are just the tree. That's, by the way, one of the places the tree leaf name came from. Are the leaves separate from the tree, or are the leaves just the tree itself? Can you have a tree without its leaves? Are they separate things? Not at all. The leaves are, in most intimate sense, the tree itself, and each leaf contains the entire tree to the wise eye that can see it. Anyway, there was one more koan here at, on Kanan, and we're going to leave that for, for next time. I'll just say this, that Kanan's compassion is as natural as reaching for a pillow. That also has a, a few kind of meanings, ways of looking at it. Number one, in your life this week, just be gentle, just be good. But there is also the compassion that's so present in the whole universe, the gold that's not a matter of goldness, the water, that's not a matter of waterness. There's a compassion to this world, a balance, a harmony that's so balanced and harmonious. It's there even when it's like the water lost in the mud. Even in your life in utter confusion, there's a compassion that's present in this universe. That's what that koan is about. We'll talk about that more in the forum and dance with it in the coming days. Okay? We got a couple of minutes. Any questions? Or have I really scared everybody off at this point? 
you're all going to run off and join the Baptist church after you hear this or the, or just be more committed than ever to your atheism. What is it? Anything? Someone? I saw a slight movement from Dizon. That was the only way I knew that you're still not there. We haven't lost the signal again. <laughs> One of my priests, I volunteer you to ask a question. Yes, Dizon. Turn the microphone on. Uh, I don't have a question. I, I just, for some reason, I, I love hearing about the Dharmakaya. I just love it. You, you never talk about that. But I love, I love to hear you talk about it. That's all. Can't talk about it. Okay, let's all, to show our understanding, let's all do this. Ready? For those on the podcast, we're all going to have our mouths open. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> that, was, that was more valuable than any nonsense I said today. Let's close the sutras. May the merits of these teachings penetrate into each thing in all places so that we and every sentient being together may realize the Buddha's way. Throughout space and time, all bodies above, Mahas above, Maha, Rajna, Paramita. Okay, Zazen is not a matter of long or short. Let us now have a short Zazen. You can stay where you are, go back to the cushion as you wish. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.